This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. episode quick in that <laughs> it was only like a week ago that we recorded and for us and that's crazy that's it. Good, night. good night folks good night everybody that's it <laughs> we're out um yes episode 21 of the feminine critique i'm emily i'm christine uh this we wanted to squeeze in an episode because uh i'll be on vacation so we didn't want to have a big gap and it's october so it's like a halloween mood and we wanted to make sure we kind of captured that uh that that's that was my uh reasoning for doing a whole week later doing another episode mm-hmm. it's crazy for us people it is crazy. crazy i can't i can't imagine people doing it every week all the time like, who would do that why would people do that i don't know there's no podcast do that right is it is it insane that they're that like most of our friends who podcast do yeah <laughs> it's it kind like, of fucking crazy it's one thing to think like oh well you know like yeah they record a podcast about two movies always every podcast mm-hmm. that i listen to Oh, and, like, these people have children and spouses and jobs. Yep, and jobs. 
No, great. I was I was just complaining to Emily that my job was very stressful and busy lately, and um, yeah, I had to watch one of these movies like, like twenty minutes ago because I could not find another time. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, I had to wake up at like 11 p.m. last night because, of course, I went to bed at like 10. Uh, and 11, I'm hearing noise and, you know, my cat was constipated again. Aww. And I had to get up and, and make sure he was okay and, and see if there was anything I can do about that. Um, you know, that was stressful. And as a result, I couldn't wake up as early as I wanted to. I was going to go jogging. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, and that was just my cat, like, meowing at night. Guys, life is hard. Yeah, I'm just imagining, <laughs> like, if it was a child meowing in the middle of the night. And <laughs> then there'd be cause for concern. How much worse that would be, and how I would supposed to have to deal with that in ways that don't involve me, like, just picking it up and petting it and, like, seeing if I could get anything out of its butt. It's, it's a different life, um... And I guess what I'm just trying to say is to all of our friends who are out there uh, podcasting the good fight, uh, we salute you. That's what we're saying. Yes, that's what we're <laughs> saying. Um, seriously, when it, when it comes to constipated cats, what, hap- what ends up happening is you start saying things out loud that you realize. Um, like it's, it's when it's very important that you don't name your pet a human name. Like You know how people have like dogs named Sammy and you know, cats named Penelope, things like that. Yeah. Don't do that because then you may be on the phone with a friend saying, well, I stuck my finger in there and he didn't seem, it, he didn't cry when I put my finger up his ass. These are things that I don't like saying, but I have to say sometimes when it is regarded. But you you just said it on a podcast I did, that, but I that dozens of people will listen to. But I hope it's very clear that I'm speaking about my feline, my cat, my pet, um, species... Felinus Cadius. Point being, when you say that out loud, um, you should always be careful and make sure it's very clear what you're referring to. That's why always name your animals names that are not people animals. (laughs) Good night, folks. (laughs) Good night, folks. We're out. Um, So we're going to talk today. Like we said, it's our October show. Uh, Christine, what movies are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about two movies I'm super excited to talk about, <laughs> one of which being 1998's The Faculty. Uh-huh. Roberto Rodriguez directorial. Uh, uh-huh. Not debut, but, like, studio. One so. of his big, one of his first big studio things, I think. Yeah, I like, film super close to where I live and shit. Ooh. And the other one being one of my fate. I feel like I shouldn't show my hand, but what... <laughs> One of my favorite movies, Jennifer's Body. Okay, so uh, we're in the 90s and the 2000s today. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of our high school horror genre bending episode, if you will. Um, Before we do that, it's only been a a week, but Christine, what have you been watching? Well, how is your one movie a day thing going? Yeah, if you remember back to what I said. Oh, I remember back. I don't drink um, that much. Guess who watched a bunch of movies? Oh my this god. Girl. Oh my god, is it you? I totally made it happen. Ah. Um, so I watched a movie called Hell Baby. It's Hell from Baby? Yes, Hell Baby. It's from this year. It is um like it's it's a funny movie. Uh, it's got Rob Corddry in it. Okay. And it's um got a bunch of the guys from the state oh. and like Reno 911 okay. and stuff. Um it's really funny. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, there's, no, um, I 
got it away in a very um, special way. But I would buy it. It was real good. There's a lot of like these horror comedies that are actually good mm-hmm. coming out. I mean, it wasn't scary or anything, right. but it was it was funny and it and it was accurate to certain um, drama tropes, hmm. if you will. Hmm. Um, I then watched a movie that is on Netflix called Blood Runs Cold. Oh, that's I talked about that a few weeks ago. I had nothing. Did to, you? Yeah, I didn't have much to say about it. What'd you think? Um, so Christine I, doesn't listen to me, everybody. No, no, no. It's got. So this is the thing. It, once you say what you had said about it, I'll probably remember. But I could not for the life of me. I paused this movie four times to to look at what the name of it was. <laughs> I could not. It, it's the most generic thing I've ever yeah, seen. Very and nice. it's got a super generic title. Yeah. And I don't know if you address this, but this is not an American production. But it, everything's in English. It's dubbed, though, right? No, I don't think they so. They have weird accents. I just I assumed think, it was dubbed. I think it was somebody who's it's who is English as a second language. That makes sense. Te- writing dialogue for people who speak English as a second language. I mean, it's kind of like if someone wrote me a script in Spanish and then I had to to right. You're do a script very phonetic and things aren't quite. It, I meant I meant to do more research into it because I was fascinated as to I'm. Unless I'm nuts, I really don't think it was dubbed. I, I re- something was weird about it, but it might not have been dubbed. It may have just been, like you said, like it just was written strangely. And I feel like maybe some of the actors weren't American or all of them. No, I would say the majority yeah, of them. Like they had accents, but it was like a, it was a very, it was very, yeah. The speaking was, was off somehow. Did you like it? No, I liked the killer. I liked the look of the killer. I liked that, um, I liked some of the violence, and I liked, this was the one I told you, it was snowy, and I liked that people yeah. stayed in ice. Yeah, that's the, that's what I went into it with, like, oh, there's gonna be snow, and half the time they're in a house. Yeah, yeah. Um, country, Sweden, language, English. So it's, yeah, it's Swedish. Maybe they did, like, the, what was it, like, when, um, uh, what's his name? Not Klaus Kinsey. When Werner Herzog did Dracula, did uh, Nosferatu. And he had, like, he had them film it in German, and then he had them film it in English the same day. Like, okay, film this scene in English, and now do German. Maybe that's what they did. That would be much more interesting than what I think happened. But it, it's, like, really, it's a it's shorter. Yeah, run, that's, like, why, time. that's why I watched it. Yeah, that's why I watched it, because I needed to get a movie for that day. So I picked that. Um, I don't think I would recommend it. I yeah. think it was pretty boring. But, I mean, if you want to see people... <laughs> <laughs> deliver dialogue in a, in a painful way then I say go for that yeah I just I like the look of the killer I was disappointed yeah, it was kind of neat um, yeah I think it was a bloody disgusting disgusting bloody <laughs> yeah that's disgusting. how they're saying it now bloody disgusting release um and generally I've liked what they've what they've put their name on but this was just weird for them to put their name on I thought yeah um I then watched, this is over a series of days and nights, I watched um, Scream, Scream 2, and Scream 3. Oh, that's perfect timing for the faculty. I know, right? Yep. I love these movies. Do you love all three of them? Um, or all four I, of them, I should say. I do love all four of them, yes. I didn't get to the fourth one. The fourth one had been on streaming. Um, uh, it went off? It's not there anymore, but I did acquire it. Uh, certainly. Uh, in creative ways. In creative ways. In creative ways. But I, ha- I haven't watched it yet. Um, I really like the fourth one. Yeah. Um, 
Do you have opinions on all three of them? Um, yeah, well, I, four of them? I mean, the first one I saw in the theater when I was, I guess, what, 15? And I was just so thrilled because, like, I, I mean, I had been a horror fan, so it was suddenly, like, A, I, at the time, felt like, oh, my God, they're talking to me. Like, I get these jokes. I, I understand. I'm so, like, mm-hmm. it's a smart movie, and I'm smart. Um, but it also meant that, like, horror movies were cool again, which was great for me because it meant, like, my friends would actually watch movies that I'd been trying to make them watch for years. Um, I love Scream 2. I think Scream 2... That's so weird to me. That, to me, is the absolute worst one by far, hands down. Oh, man, I love 2. It's not fun. The pacing is weird. No, it's paced super weird. What? Yeah. I don't know why everyone is such a defender of Scream 2 and everybody shits on Scream 3. Like, Scream 3 is the superior of the two. No. I like 3 more now than I did when I first saw it. Huh. My problem with three is that I kind of I feel like they wimped out and they do the same thing in four and I'm not I don't really want to spoil anything for those who haven't seen the screams but like yes yeah, you haven't seen scream three <laughs> excuse me scream and scream two um, they don't like they kill characters that I mean scream obviously was the first one doesn't matter but scream two like kills characters that you don't expect to be killed um, scream three kills nobody that you that you don't expect to be killed and just considering like that it was supposed because it was also billed as like anything can happen it's the last one so you're like okay everybody's gonna die or nobody that you don't think is gonna die is gonna die and I didn't like the, the opening for one and two were so great. I don't like the opening Okay, for that's three. super true. That's super it's, true. The yeah, opening for three is awful. Down. Yeah. Um, in, I, I like the Hollywood jokes, um, but I think there's also, uh, what is it? It's, I don't like the end. I don't like the, re- the killer reveal or killer's reveal. It's, it feels very more so than two. It feels like there was probably another script that got leaked, so they were like, ah, let's do something else. Like, I don't know, it, just, it doesn't really feel earned. Um, it's just kind of mopey. Patrick Dempsey is mopey in it. He, he is, he's out. bizarre in it. Um, I, I feel, okay, I will give you one thing. I completely disagree with you, but I will give you this. When looked at as a trilogy, mm-hmm. the third one is a, is a bad ending. Yes, but yes. But if you look at it like now like it is... Trilogy four films, mm-hmm. then I think the third one is fine. The third one is a lot of fun. Courtney Cox is great in it. Parker Posey is, yeah. is great in it. There's, I mean, the second one, my issue is it's 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 not a tight film. It's not economic. The first one is, is there's not a lot of wasted time in the mm-hmm. first one. The second, when you get to the second one, it's super bloated. Like, there's that scene of um, Jerry O'Connell singing. <laughs> oh, like, come on. That's an important scene. It, it's so, it's just like, really, this is not what I came here for. But I know. you came here for. I know. Well, anyways, other than the first one, I re- the third one's probably my favorite, and then the fourth one, and then the second one. I liked four. Um, again, I had kind of the same problem, and I didn't like that. Um, so I, there were aspects of the ending that I really didn't like, and there were certain things that bugged me. Like the, the old joke of any horror movie in a hospital is that nobody actually works in a hospital. Apparently, mm-hmm. and in part four, you have gunshots going off in a hospital, and nobody's doing anything mm-hmm. um, so I, things true. like that bothered me and just fight in four for some reason I was really annoyed at how rich everybody was yeah everybody's that's... house had like sub-zero refrigeration and it bothered me uh, but I really liked some of the new characters in four I liked what they did with the Hayden Penetaire character me too I thought she was that. great 
Uh, I liked the I liked the reveal, but I just don't like how it ended because it kind of left you in a place that just wasn't that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's fair enough. That was interesting. That was a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah high five. No, seriously, a lot of people though are, are quick to get on three's case and really into two, and it's yeah. interesting to hear why. Yeah, I think well, because two um had like when two two is so. Whereas one is just very self-aware about what it is. Two is self-aware about being a sequel. And that's all granted, maybe it's been done and I hadn't seen it, but like that was something I really hadn't seen before. So when Scream 2 came out and like at this point now, Scream was a mainstream hit. So Scream 2 could have done so many, could have gone in such an easy route. And I feel like instead it decided to, no, we're still going to do the meta thing. We're still going to be, this time we're going to be about sequels. And granted, a lot of the jokes now are old. A lot of the references are really obvious. But when in, what was it? I guess 2000, whenever that one came out. Scream 2 was 97. 97, oh, geez. Yeah, 3 was 2000. I had to look at that, too, when I I was going. Yeah, was Scream was 96. Really? Mm Hmm. You know, watching them, watching them back to back to back like that, what I did notice was Scream 1, if you took a shot every time they referenced a, a film, you you would die. Yes. Um, Scream 2, a little less, but it was still there. Mm-hmm. Scream 3 then stops referencing film and just references pop culture. Yeah. And I could see why that would lose some people. Yeah. And I mean, again, some of the Hollywood stuff is really cool in Scream 3. Uh, just you have the Hollywood backlots, you have these like stories about casting couches and seedy Hollywood parties, and all of that stuff is is actually pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I just I find all the, I don't care about any of the new characters in three, whereas in two, um, not even Parker Posey. Kind of Parker Posey. I will. Give she's you that. so good. Yeah, because she's fun and like at the, like I knew who Parker Posey was, so like I was used to her being crazy Parker Posey. She's really fun in it, but all the other new characters are just dead weight. By then, just the the Dewey stuff. I really was ready for him to die or something. <laughs> um, yeah, it just I don't know. It just three it, it didn't. It went maybe it just went too far into comedy. Um, yeah, I could see that. But then still has to kind of be a horror movie, but was, uh, yeah. I don't know, I think three just tonally is really off for me. Uh, especially compared to, um, yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, I can see what you're saying about two being very scattered and, you know. You I, I'm like telling Sarah you, Michelle those. Miller sequence really yeah. very long when you think about it for a character that means nothing to the story. Um, but, you, you know. they're all, those three are streaming. Seriously, if you get the urge, watch them in close proximity yeah. and you'll really, it'll really be obvious. Like how tight the first one is and then how like, oh, yeah. the second one is. I could see that. And I think, because I remember reading a Scream 2 script that had a different ending. That I think in that story, it ended with um, Mickey and Nev Campbell's roommate were the killers and it's like this mickey and mallory sort of like couple serial killer thing that's cute and it makes me wonder if really there were if two and three and four all had multiple endings written maybe even filmed and then you know things were changed so it kind of explains to me why like characters kind of come and go like into the rebecca gayhart portia de rossi 
who are great and funny and um but they just seem to to show up for no reason yeah and And at one point i was like are there other people in their sorority or is it just them two of them it just makes you wonder like if maybe they were supposed to die in the movie or maybe they were supposed to be in on it like Uh i wouldn't be surprised if all the screen movies after one just had a ton of rewrites and like you know purposeful alternate endings and everything which explains a lot of the lack of continuity probably yes that's a good point. Yeah. I wish I wasn't so lazy to do um, research. Yeah. Um, and then the last movie I watched, I mean, I watched the movies for the show, and then I watched, I rewatched The Hunger Games. Oh, nice. And I, I'm up this month, so I've gotten my, my quota of a okay. scary one per day, so I, I threw that in there. Um, sadly, it didn't play as, as good, as, as really? strong as the first time, uh, only because... I was trying to do that thing where I detach mm. and I was like, okay, well, if I don't know who this character is, are they explaining it well enough? Mm-hmm. If I do, And I kind of felt like they weren't. And I had such a different experience because I saw the movie before reading the book and I understood everything. Like, I really didn't feel like I lost anything. And then when I rewatched it, I actually liked the movie more on my second viewing because certain touches I thought were... Um, yeah. Well, I appreciated it as an adaptation because I, I like it confirmed everything. Like the whole relationship with Peta and Katniss being like kind of a one-sided romance. Like I got yeah. that from the movie. And then I read an interview with the director of the new one, who who like was kind of a I, the interview kind of pissed me off because he wasn't. I don't know. Normally, like if you were taking over a franchise, you would be pretty respectful of the person you were taking it from. Yeah, you should be. And it kind of felt like there was like, no, the question asked was like, oh, so what do you want to improve that you don't think was explored, was done correctly in the first one? And rather than like giving the kind of like standard, like, well, I think, you know, he did a great job with the story, blah, it was like, well, I really thought that the, um, the relation, the romantic relationships weren't defined very well. And like, I'm like, no, but I got them. Like, don't, oh. So that, I, I don't know. That kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. But, but what, I, that worries me for, like, I know, what he intends like, to do. Because really, like, the romance is such a small part of it. And I, and, like, ex- oh. And I don't want it to be no. clearly defined because, you know what? It's not clearly God. defined. Katniss doesn't know what's going. She doesn't exactly. know what her feelings are. How can we as an audience? It's true. So, yeah, I'm worried about that. But, you know. Yeah, I, but I did enjoy it. I got real weepy mm-hmm. at certain moments. I, yeah, yeah I got real emotional. I and it, it, it's interesting because I, I always forget that other tribute from, I guess it's maybe two, is the girl from Orphan. Yeah, I, I love that girl. She's, She's so great. I want her to be evil in every movie ever. She's so good in that. So good. God, every time I see it or see a picture or a, a gif, I'm like, oh, yeah, an orphan girl. Yep, yep. I, I'm convinced that there's another actress, the girl who was in Case 39 and Silent Hill. Um, do you know the one I mean? She was in Cabin in the Woods. I think her name was like Jodelle Furland, I think. Who was she in Cabin in the Woods? She the... was the girl, the little girl zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I have this theory about her that she auditions for every role that Isabel Furman gets. <laughs> they're like the same type. They're about the same age. Um, they're both like brunettes and both have played, have done a lot of uh, horror or have done like movies where they've been like supernatural or just like. Yeah. Off. And I think Isabel Furman is so great. And then every time I see Janelle Furland, I'm like, oh, I guess they couldn't afford Isabel Furman, huh? That's so funny. Well, I know. Like Janelle Furland's a fine young actress and stuff, but I just really like Isabel Furman. We got to do Orphan one day. 
I think we should. I've only seen it the one time. I'm putting that on the long list for us. Uh, all right, so that all you have to watch? That's it. Okay. Uh, I just have a few. I have more than I expected, actually, when I think about it. Um, uh, as I told you, on Gleecast, we do, we've been doing musicals, which meant last week I had to watch Rent. Thanks, Erica. Ugh, Erica. Ugh, what is exactly. she thinking? Yeah, she's thinking, no day but today. Um, <laughs> the film adaptation of Rent is really not... It's. I mean, it's not the worst musical ever done. Nine is a lot worse, people. Uh, it's. But it's just not... It's, it's so miscalculated and weirdly um just there's so many weird decisions going on in it um but it, i mean there's like that being said i'm a sap so i still cry and jesse l martin st- is still great and a lot of the performance yeah he is really good in that huh and he's so he's so sunny he just when he, he comes on screen like he's got that like lights up a room kind of thing uh-huh where he just has a presence and he looks like he's having a good time and he sings and he dances and he's just like, I fall in love with him every time I watch that movie, uh, which is thankfully not often. Because um, it's not <laughs> um, So there's that. Uh, That's my pick for next week's vote. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> no! Um, then also for that, for Gleecast, we haven't released that episode yet. Um, but, but it was my pick, so I got to pick Cannibal the Musical. Oh, uh, well, I still haven't seen that. Um, it's if you are a fan of this, I mean, it's. Trey Parker, so if you're a South Park Team America Trey Parker fan, it is like, it's, you know, a younger Trey Parker. It's like, he wrote it when he was in college. He made it, like, with his college professors kind of thing. So the quality of the film itself is not that good. Like, it's it's really cheaply made. It looks cheaply made. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the jokes really aren't that funny, but the music is wonderful and clever. And, I mean, just like any really any music that Trey Parker's written for Book of Mormon or South South Park the movie, the songs are great. And the movie itself is very much a sort of homage to Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, and it's streaming. It's a trauma movie. Technically, trauma bought it. It's not a trauma produced, produced movie. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, if you're in a mood for a musical about, uh, a horror musical by the South Park guys, go ahead. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard pretty good things about it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's there's a lot not good about it and if you don't enjoy low budget amateur filmmaking it's not for you um but it's worth it for the music if nothing else um horror has been on tv so friday the 13th part four was on uh really i have this magical um x-man ability where if i was a superhero one of my powers would be to turn on friday the 13th part four just in time for the crispin glover dance <laughs> that is quite the every quite the um yep and i can die happy every time um then i also watched one of brandon's favorite films uh was in for some reason i have this weird typo thing where every time i type the title instead of typing inherit the wind i type inherit the wine every all time. right that's uh sure different movies but inherit the wind have you ever seen it 1960 no. uh spencer tracy um, Dick York, uh, Gene Kelly, um, about the Uscope Monkey Trial. I had, I knew the play, but I had never actually seen the movie. It's really good. Um, directed by Stanley Kramer, and it's uh, I mean it, it was a good play, which sometimes it seems like it's very easy to make a good movie out of. But the movie is is directed well. Like the the adaptation's good. The performances are great, um, and it's definitely well worth a watch if you've never seen it. Um, and last was 
a minor genre classic that I had never seen somehow. Mm. When a Stranger Calls. <gasps> Did you like it? Yes. Oh, wow. That was a yeah. weird... Well, it was it was a tough one because it was not. I didn't really know what to expect. It wasn't quite what I was expecting. I have to. I'm I'm bringing it up right now on the old computer because I forgot what um year it is. 1979. 79. Yeah, it's one year after Halloween. Yeah. And my for some reason this movie scares my mom a lot what about it too. Oh my god. Why is that? I don't know because my mom always makes the reference like whenever like Harold Kane is in something or whatever like like. My mom will always say, the call is coming from inside the house. She she was greatly affected by this. I don't know if your mother's the same age as my mother, but my mother would have been um, 20 when my this came out. My mother would have been, um, no, my mom's a little older than yours. My mom was born, I don't know, am I giving away my mom? My mother was born 1950, so she would have been 20, no, 29. Yeah. Yes. So my mom wasn't a kid either. My mom was 20 and your yeah. mom was almost 30. Like my mom had th- had two or three kids at that at that time. Why is this upsetting them so much? I I Did it upset well, you? Here's a, here's part of why maybe is the whole kids in danger thing. Yeah. Um I mean maybe that for my mom just because at that time she would have been a mother, so maybe that's it and your mom could have been a babysitting age. Oh, well, I mean, she, yeah, she she popped me out pretty soon after, so. Yeah. See, I would say a few things about, like, it's, it's on, there, it's tense. And there are some scenes that are direct, that are directed really well and with a really good tension. The opening scene, which is really what everybody knows the movie from. And I think, I didn't see the remake, but I think the remake. Oh, the remake's so bad. Is the remake just the opening scene stretched into one movie? Um, I think I blocked it out. Okay, I, that might very well be, be true. There's. The, the thing about, that I remember about the, the remake is that the fucking house that they're in is just the most unbelievable, ridiculous house ever. Well, of course. It's a horror, it's a horror movie made post-1995. Yeah, Everybody was rich. Yeah. Um, the, uh, like the opening scene is, is great. Like, the, the tension building of the, the, you know, the phone keeps ringing, and, you know, Carol Kane's got her big spooky eyes. That's great. And that's probably, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes and that, I mean, it's similar as much as like Scream references all these other movies. Like that's really what the opening of Scream would remind me of now, having seen this. Um, but then uh, you get into more of like a detective story with Charles Charles Durning, Charles mm-hmm. Charles Durning, and it lo- It's what's interesting is the killer is so not what you would ever have expect the killer to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the killer's this skinny British homeless guy, essentially. And I, like, I can't ever imagine, I can't think of any movie that has a more, um, a less intimidating, uh, seemingly less intimidating presence as the killer. Because he's, he's this very slight guy, and he, I mean, he's just a homeless dude. And so it, it's weird, but it works because it's really interesting. You never really get to know anything about him, but you hear this crazy shit that he did, so you're scared of him. There's a lot of scenes that are just, like, unnerving and uncomfortable. Like, he, he keeps hitting on this older woman, and it's just, it's, it's effective because it's just kind of off. Um, but then you also have kind of, like, long scenes. The pacing of the film overall is really weird because it's, like in three chunks and so you have Carol Kane in the beginning 
and then an hour later you get back to her so by then like you've lost a lot of anything you would have felt for her kind of thing um then you have like the greatest cop chase in history because charles durning was never a slim man <laughs> and there is a scene where the killer is running away from Charles Durning, and it's just the like the most ridiculously non-challenging escape you've ever seen in a movie. Because it's like, no, seriously, just walk briskly. You're going to outpace him. It's okay. <laughs> and then the movie just kind of ends. And so it's, it's a weird thing, because it could be remade. I would have liked to see the director do more. He didn't really do that much, Al. He just did a lot of TV movies after this, including mm-hmm. a sequel to When a Stranger Calls. Um, cleverly titled When a Stranger Calls Back. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Yeah. Um, so it was overall, I mean, it was a fact, if you've never seen it, I think it's definitely worth a rent because there are like certain touchstones that you might be like, oh, so that's maybe where this came from. Yeah. And there are some really tense things being built. It's just that it kind of ends in a really anticlimactic way for me. Um, so it was kind of a mixed viewing, but I'm glad I finally saw it. Uh, and that was all of my movies. That's not bad, yeah. considering. After that, it's just been some Jeopardy, some Night Court, some Buffy Angel. Very nice. Indeed. Um, so, ah, uh, this is that time of day where we take a little break. And we come back to talk about, should we go chronologically? Um. Or you want to first? You tell me. No, 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 Um, let's do The Faculty first. Okay, we're going to come back and talk about 1998's The Faculty. Each time we have a quarrel, it almost breaks my heart, cause I'm so afraid. That we will have to part Each night I ask the stars above Why must I be a teenager in love? One day I feel so happy The next day I feel so sad We have returned to discuss Robert Rodriguez's 1998 horror sci-fi comedy Sure Faculty um, now, I saw this in the theater, did you? Um, no, I didn't. Oh, um, okay. I saw it pretty soon after it came out on video, I think, but I didn't really retain it, because I remember when I watched it again as a slightly older lady, I was like, wait, this is Robert Rodriguez? Mm. Wait, Elijah Wooden is it? Wood is in this? Interesting. Oh, wait, it's that girl from Dead Like Me. Um, that was, those were my reactions because I didn't really pick up on what was going on in this movie. See, the weird thing is I saw it in the theaters. I would have been, this was 98, so I would have been 16. Yes. And I have not seen it since then. I thought I, I was trying to remember, but I'm like, no, I never sat down and rewatched The Faculty. And yet I, I don't know what it was about this movie because it wasn't like I saw this movie and thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I But I remember everything about this movie. Really? I remember the way certain lines were delivered. I remember, like, how characters said certain things. I Like, it's weird. I don't know why, but this movie just, like, etched itself in my brain. I must have watched it, like, after 
haven't been given some kind of retainment drug or something that I didn't know about. Because I just remembered everything. It was very strange. That's really strange. You remember the twist ending that we won't oh, tell everybody completely, about? Completely. Yeah. That, the f- well, that, I mean, the whole movie, I was this time I was watching to make sure it is never tilted, and it's not. Um, the second, it took till the second or third time, I rewatched it for me to be like, I know what's going to happen. Because <laughs> I would always forget. Yeah. It's this time I was like, wait a minute, let me see if that, okay, yep, 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 yeah, okay. It was interesting. So why don't you tell the fine people at home what it's <laughs> about? Oh, man. Uh, I don't think this, this is... everybody's favorite moment in the show, by the way. I don't think it's going to be as good because I really like this movie. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I can't do it. Um, there's these kids, and they're all kind of weird, different, or like opposites attract type different click people in a high school. Then there's these weird water slug things that take people over and it's kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers also the thing and also uh, The Breakfast Club. <laughs> that is this movie. That, like I said, that is everybody's favorite <laughs> That wasn't a good one because I really like that this movie and I usually like to make fun of movies. Yeah, but isn't it super like those three movies I just said? Oh god, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they con- they reference throughout this movie. Which is nice, yes. Well, and it's not, you know, because when I was, when I had seen this movie when I was 16, like, I knew Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so I would have, I know that, like, snarky little me would have been like, oh, this is just Invasion of the Body Snatchers for high school kids. But the movie says, it's just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, only it's high school. Yeah. And they're actually very, um, like, they're respectful about their references. Like, the character even says, like, Jack Finney wrote the book. Like, it's very much like they're really trying to make sure you know um, Invasion of the Bystatchers, very famous, written by Jack Finney, but a lot of people said that was just a ripoff of Puppet Masters, written by Robert Heinlein. So they spot check their references in a way that could be annoying, but I think in this case just sounds both respectful and like how that character, Stokely, played by your favorite Clay Duvall, would actually yeah. talk. Um, I agree because and this is, this is, I was actually having this discussion with someone after I watched this movie because I really like to talk about this movie. Um, think about if this happened today. Mm-hmm. If weird shit was going down in the culture and the climate that we live in, I think immediately in a grouping of people, one or two people would be like, this is fucking like aliens. Did you see that movie that had aliens? This is exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of world we live in now. Like everything can be traced back to that thing that happened on that episode of that show mm-hmm. or that one movie. You know? Yeah, it's that challenge of whenever you have um, a zombie movie, for example, is do zombie like you're creating this world? Is this world that you're creating where zombies are happening? Is this 2013? And has there never been Night of the Living Dead? It, it, yeah, no one knows what a zombie is. Or type of thing. have your characters grown up in a world that that knows the word zombie and knows what it is and knows that you shoot it in the head? Mm-hmm. And so with this movie, it's it's 1998 and you have a character, Stokely, who is a sci-fi person, um, so who, you know, just knows her sci-fi movies, knows her sci-fi books. And so when this starts happening, and she's not the character who recognizes it, Elijah Wood plays kind of like the science nerdy kid who, like, figures out something's going on, it involves the water, people are acting weird. So when he takes it to the girl who knows sci-fi, he's like, this is your area, you tell me what you think. It It is, it's the way the movie actually puts together um, it's 
character uh, stereotype strengths. Because mm -hmm. you have very much, um, you have a cheerleader, you have a football player, you have a nerd, you have a burnout. And yet within that, you also see all of these characters are not quite that. They're all that and something else. So the football player, um, I forget his, Stan, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Who, you know, he quits football in the very beginning. That's his thing. Is he's, he's tired of just being a football player. And... You know, the um, sci-fi nerd girl might be a lesbian, but no, that's just a cover. She actually, like, has a crush on the football guy. So all of these characters, and of course, Josh Hartnett, um, who plays the burnout, repeating high school, drug dealer, but he's actually a genius kind of guy. Yeah. So they're all, to start off, like, they're all a little more than what their stereotype is. And all of that comes into play because... The fact that this kid knows how to make drugs that can kill the aliens is really important. And the fact that, you know, this girl can identify what's going on. Like, it becomes this sort of, um, you know, together they form this really strong team for this brief moment when they can fight this. Yes. Yeah. And while they're doing that, it's making kind of a statement about, you know, like high school stereotypes and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yes, I agree. And and as it cycles back around to to the end, mm -hmm. I mean, it towards the end they play on that kind of like th that and this is actually I hate to jump ahead, but this is actually one of my biggest issues with the movie. Um one of the strongest points of say something like the thing for me is the scene where they're testing the blood, obviously. Um there's a similar scene in this movie where you know, they want to see if anybody among them is actually, you know, infected or replaced or however you want to say it and they they start calling each other out on stuff like oh well acting strangely you were captain of the football team and the football it, team. yeah like so that you're was kind of interesting and now you're wearing glasses exactly and a ponytail oh yeah that the glasses and a ponytail it does it every uh, time instantly ugly but i thought that was i both enjoyed that angle and i also kind of got frustrated because that should have been like super tense and awesome mm-hmm and it wasn't, it felt rushed and too premeditated. But that's that's one of my few small gripes with this film. But another thing I do like about I do like about this movie is that even though it is about these like students, these kids that we just kinda described, it opens with the teachers. Yeah. And I like that. I it's kinda it's kind of different. It's a little unexpected. Well, you also have... The, like, this is one of the best cast movies of the 90s. Oh, my God, yes. And I don't know... There's some ways you can figure it out. Like, okay, well, Robert Rodriguez had worked with Salma Hayek before, so he was able to bring her in for, like, probably two days of shooting. And, you know... But but there's others, like... He got Piper Laurie. He gets BB Fucking hey, yep. Um, John Stewart in... Like, and this, I guess, was... Was this... This was before, I think, Daily Show. Maybe? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about uh, that. I think Daily Show over 98? I, I would have to check that. This is right around that time, I think. Maybe it was after. But still, like, so you have an excellent cast. Your, your, teach, your faculty, um, I mean, it's both, like, genre people, like Piper Laurie, and it's just good actors who are really cool to see doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, and you establish... Something that's really strong about this movie, and I, I would say it's both Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Williamson who wrote the script, they establish um, uh, the high school so well so quickly. 
because you open up with the faculty talking about how it's Ohio, it's a football school, the football team gets all the money. So right away, you know, okay, football school, there's a football team, everybody treats them differently. But they're also, um, the way the movie has, like, side characters that don't really figure into the plot, but really help signify things. And one of them is played by Summer Phoenix. Um, there's this couple, Summer Phoenix and Boy, <laughs> and I believe in the they're credited as like "fuck you, cup, fuck you, girl, fuck you, boy," because all they do the whole movie it's a couple and they're just constantly fighting, and like they never have they obviously don't have character names, and they're not like front and center. It's just character walks by and looks at them and they're fighting, and then later a character walks by and one of them is fighting and the other one's not, and then later a character walks by and they're not fighting, and like the way that is done is something that's really simple in that it's establishing how like using these two like extras to establish how the school is changing but it's done so economically and in a way that makes perfect sense but that I feel like other films struggle to do yeah um, I I agree like they're because they choose to kind of inform the story by these little almost unimportant background mm-hmm. happenings. It keeps everything really, really pacey. Yeah. yeah um, which is good. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess, I mean, that's something I would say probably about every Robert Rodriguez movie. I, all of the ones that I've seen anyway of his, like, you could never argue. You can, they're not always great, but they're rarely boring or dragging. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this one, like, it, it starts off with a bang and it really, even as it's giving you kind of character exposition, it manages to really just keep going pretty quickly. It doesn't waste, not waste, it doesn't spend too much time in one place or with one group of people. Yeah. Um, there's a point where um, they go to, like, they kind of follow Elijah Wood's character home. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only time that happens. And yeah, I was true. trying to rewatch it with a very critical eye. <laughs> and I kind of went like, oof. It don't do right. that. It does don't, kind of lose something there. And like, but but then it's immediately pulled back. Yeah. Like, so that's good because you lose the tension, even though members of the faculty show up when he's at home. Like, it taking it out of the setting of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. At least when he's alone, kind of is like. Meh. Yeah, no, that's but. a good point because it really is, and it becomes a story about you know, and this is. It's 98, so you, it's right on the heels of Buffy, where it is about how the kids are able to save the world mm-hmm. without the help of any adults. And so you're right, where it kind of gets away from that early on. I can see how it slows down there. However, without that, we wouldn't have a great moment where the dad's looking like through all of his stashes of stuff uh-huh. and find out that Elijah Wood's character reads Boob magazine. Yep, really funny. <laughs> Boob magazine, everybody. I really hope that's a real thing. <laughs> I wonder if it is. <laughs> that will be hard to Google. Um, don't do that at work, but still. But I, I will say you're right. It was it it was not draggy or boring or blah 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 blah. Um, and that's good and rare for yeah. <laughs> films of this genre of this time period. It was not like. It wasn't bogged down with, like, there are these little love stories that kind of pay off at the end, but it wasn't bogged down with that. It does, and they're, 
Yeah, they're never put in the way of the fact that there are aliens invading our school. Exactly, like that doesn't suddenly become more important. Yeah, it's purely just kind of an effect of it. It's like, oh, so now we're two characters who are not normally together are forced to be together, and maybe there's a little spark there. And let's give it, just give you a little bit of investment in this relationship by having them kiss right before something, you know, dangerous might happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually, it's really sweet. Um, and I mean, there's technically there's, I guess, three romances or three relationships, one of which could be inappropriate or not. Oh, my God. The most appropriate. <laughs> and it's not inappropriate because I was also discussing this. This was a very calculated move on their part. Yes. So we didn't discuss all the teachers, but one, uh-huh. one of them is um, Famke Jansen, Famke Jansen. Um, who I love sometimes and I loathe other times. Mm-hmm. And in this, I super like her. Yeah. So before, I mean, if you've never seen the film or if you need to see it again, before she gets like changed over or whatever, she's this meek, like, oh, very teacher. Mousy. Yeah, very mousy, but still super adorable. And like Zeke, the um, Josh Hartnett character, likes to fuck with her and give her a hard time because she's so meek. So then when she gets like, you know, changed over, she's like this vixen. Mm-hmm. And she's so sexually aggressive with him. It's amazing. It's amazing. And we have to remember now Josh Hartnell Zeke is the burnout. And he this is his second senior year. Uh-huh. So one can infer that he is over eighteen. Yep. So, so it's four, okay. It's okay. Guys, it's all right. It's totally okay at that point. Yeah, so he, yeah, he's of age, he's legal, yep. it's cool, yep. it's fun. I love that, I love her in this, she takes such an interesting turn, yeah, she's she so does. fun. And I, that's that's what's fun about it, because there's her, and then there's, um, what's his name, whose name I can't think of? Robert I'm, Patrick. Thank you, Robert oh, Patrick. He's so much who, fun in this. The movie's not about any one character, per se, yeah. but, like, the, the these, they take interesting turns, like, they have their own little interesting, like, mm-hmm. Times the sun, if you will. Yeah, really, because when you think about it, it's like every teacher, they establish something about the teacher before they turn. Mm -hmm. So for Piper Laurie, is also kind of mousy, and then afterwards, she just has this, like, very, like, clean look about her. Yeah, she's literally like she stepped off the set of Twin Peaks. That's exactly what she looks like in Twin Peaks. Totally. There's, I forget the actor's name, um, but the, like, history teacher who's drunk, who's always drunk, and then, like... And they establish that with two things. They establish that he's he's an alcoholic. And so then when suddenly he's drinking water and teaching instead of just sitting back, you know, okay, that's a change. Um, with Robert Patrick, the opening scene, it's him being your stereotypical, like, abusive football coach, you know, turning over water coolers. And then by the next scene, after he's possessed, we see he just has this smile on his face the rest of the movie. Oh, he's so good, and yeah. So it's great because they really do, they, they don't turn anybody without first introducing you to what they were like before they turned. Yeah, that's, just, that's really, I don't, I don't know if that was calculated or just really good writing. <laughs> yeah, it was good writing and good acting. Like, yeah. when, you know, when you bring in any one of these people, it's, they're going to leave an impression so yeah, mm-hmm. whether I yeah, and it, it could be the writing, could also be the directing very much. Yeah. Um, we've got with the uh, Robert Patrick, it's just really funny. Um, <laughs> I must have written down like Robert Patrick makes me laugh several times in my notes. Well, there's that there's that um pseudo montage when they oh. get to the end at the football game. What song is playing? Is it We Don't Need to Edit Education? Yes. Oh, it's yes. a remix. It's like somebody covered it. And I think they even did a music video. 
to this with like, the um, faculty, like the cast that, of the faculty. So that song's like okay or whatever, but the fucking just. It's a great cover. It's the way that they put it together. It's yeah. like not super montage but it's like cut together so interestingly. And Robert Patrick is so good. It's just, it, it's mesmerizing every time. Yeah, and that was another one of those moments that I remembered as soon as the music started playing, because it's playing during essentially a pseudo montage of it's the town football game where the infected school is infecting the other school. Yep. So you have like tackles and then you just see the one guy puts like a water slug in the other player's ear kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just goes on and it's so cool. And I remembered the exact moment where the camera cuts to Robert Patrick, like kind of lean back and smile. Cause it's yeah. this really, really like comically visual moment that's like just filmed and done so perfectly in a way that I remembered what 15 years later having seen this movie one time I could remember that exact moment it's really effective it is um let's see what else do we have and there's some like there's definitely some just like good Kevin Williamson touches like early on they make a joke about uh how they uh when the faculty the faculty meeting where they're saying they can't they don't have money for anything but football and Piper Laurie is like, well, maybe the drama club can really want us to do Guys and Dolls. And B.B. Newworth is like, well, they can use the set from last year's production of Our Town. And the joke with that is Our Town is usually a very skeletal set. So it's like, it's a really like smart theater joke mm-hmm. that I appreciate. Being <laughs> other things. Um, yeah, uh, other notes I had was that Stan had a really bad farmer's tan. I didn't notice, but that's really funny. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a he's a very white boy. He's a redhead. Um, he is. But, like, at one point, he's without a shirt, and it took me a while to figure out if he was wearing a shirt, but no, he just has a... Oh, God, no way. It wasn't that bad. bad. I didn't know he has one. It's there. I'm not judging, really. I'm just pointing it out, okay? He's uh, tweaking, man. Just let him fucking tweak. <laughs> so, yeah, some of the language in this is a little... I really like that. I mean, it was 98, though. It was 98. Uh, when you compare this movie to... Because following Scream, Scream is 96, mm-hmm. uh, you had this sort of onslaught of, I know what you did last summer's yep. and things of that note, including the movie that I guess the closest one you can compare to this would be Disturbing Behavior. Which I don't dislike at all. Really? Oh, maybe I just need to watch it again. No, you don't. It's it, it's not that good. I, I just don't. It was, I don't hate I it. Mean, I watched it like when it was on when it like first came to video, and I just thought it was awful. And I remember being like, "It's no the faculty." Oh, it's definitely not. This is a genuinely good movie. That's like my favorite era of of films like this. I, I really like teaching Mrs. Tingle. I really like. Disturbing behavior. I, I I get it. It's stupid, and yeah, they're not I mean, good. It's very but. much. It's it is the way a lot of probably our film fan friends feel about eighty slashers. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, like this this era of movies was the era of movies that was out when we were going to the theater. Yeah, that's right? true. You and I were teenagers when this came out, and when Disturbing Behavior and I Know What You Did Last Summer came out. Yeah. So this is when. Even though, like, it's different because when you were, if you were a movie fan with access to movies that were made before 1990, in a way, it sort of skews you, which is why, like, you know, we have, you and I probably have, like, a deep affection for 80 slashers that weren't really our contemporary movies. They were Mm -hmm. for our time. 
Um, so with these, it's a different relationship, but it is the relationship of I was 14 going to see this kind of. Yeah, I, I can. I bet when you when you when you um, frame it like that, yeah, because I do really like a lot of slashers, but I didn't really see them mm-hmm. when you. I either saw them way too young. Right. That's exactly what it is. I saw like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like eight. Yeah. And then I didn't start watching them again until I was like 18, mm. 19. Yeah, so it's a very different relationship. Whereas like these were our contemporary movies. We saw these when um, they were being made for us. Like yep. when we were the right when we were the target audience for these movies. Uh, which and it's just it's it, it, that's why it's really fascinating. And we've done a couple of '90s movies, and it's it's funny how I think like we keep coming back to them. <laughs> just because like we start thinking about like um, you know you pick Jennifer's body I'm like okay well let me like find like another good like kind of high school horror movie as soon as I saw the faculty I'm like yes let's talk about the faculty because I knew you and I would have a lot to say about it well Be- yeah yeah because it's, it's just very much a generational movie for us I think mm-hmm. I agree yeah and I think it holds up I do too absolutely I mean granted like there's I guess no cell phones in the movie um but there is internet, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, and it's, you know, in terms of story, it's, you know, I, it, this is just a, it's a high school uh, body snatchers movie. I, I don't think it's that dated, which can be a danger for these kinds of movies. Exactly, it's not. It, it, it plays, I mean, it's definitely of that mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like, but Kennedy Duvall dresses the way most of my friends dressed at that, yeah. like, at that era. Yeah. You know, the big chain necklaces and everything. But in terms of... How, and also the the dialogue, because this is something we'll get into, I think, with Jennifer's body. The dialogue, it's Kevin Williamson dialogue, so it is self-aware. It has kind of pop culture jokes. But it, with a couple of rare... And I didn't, I didn't even write any down, so I don't think there were that many obvious ones. It doesn't feel... Um, the dialogue itself isn't dating it. Yeah, I, like I... There were a few instances that were like, but not nothing that really took you out. Right. Yeah. Um, the question for you: the Famke Janssen head on a squiddy thing. Yes. Uh, what movie did you think that referenced? Well, that immediately makes me think of the thing. Yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at when I watch this movie. Why? What did you? Well, because when I, as soon as that happened, I was thinking body snatchers, the head on the dog. Oh, I didn't even but think Brandon that. Said, but, like, Brandon said the same thing. He's like, oh, the thing. I'm like, no, body snatcher's dog. No, no, no. Maybe we're all right. Maybe we're. Maybe everybody <laughs> is right about everything in the world, and we're never wrong about anything. That's a beautiful way to live. Yeah. Yeah, what did you think of the effects overall? Uh, so the CG looks like 1998 CG. Yeah. Um, there's, I, uh, I mean, not all of it looks terrible, but a lot of the CGI just looks very CG. It does. There, I agree. It didn't, but did it ruin it for you? No, because it. You know why? I think this is the main thing because it's aliens and it's sci-fi, not horror. Yeah. Like if they were going for, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example, like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, very CGI'd, but it's supposed to be like flesh. Yeah. And there's something about that being CGI and looking like CGI that just takes away any kind of like visceral horror of it whereas with this it's more otherworldly it's more i don't really know what tentacles are supposed to look like 
So why can't they look like CGI? Um, so it didn't bother me as much. I mean, it doesn't look great. It hasn't, the, the effects haven't aged wonderfully. Yeah. Um, but the nature of the movie, and because it's, the movie, it takes itself seriously, but it's, um, it is winking without being annoying about it. Yeah. So, like, it's funny and scary kind of thing. Uh, so, again, the, like, I don't feel like this movie is trying to terrify you. So the fact that the effects sometimes make me say, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't go like, well, I'm not afraid of this. Like, right. that's that's not the reaction you yeah, have. Yeah, not, The point isn't, I should be jumping. The point is more, I don't know, I should be thinking about high school stereotypes. Well, yeah. It, it just, it's, if anything, it just fails to relate a visual point across. It's not failing to uh, get Convinced some kind of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would yeah. say that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, this movie, uh, sadly, though, did fall victim to the 90s-era uh, teen-centric posters. The poster hmm. art for this one. Uh, oh, it's floating heads, right? It's not quite floating heads. It's um, standing in a V. Oh, yeah. It's Josh Hartnett standing in the front. Hey, but it, it's kind of floating heads. Sure, as some ver- yes, some versions of the posters it's like are actually floating shoulders. It's floating shoulders, and there might be some posters that are floating head. And and I will this this is what the cover of my Blu-ray looks like. The picture that's on um, mm-hmm. IMDb. Okay. I will tell you that I think it's strange that Usher is on the cover. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, Usher is really not heavily featured in this film. That would be another complaint that you could easily launch against this film. Uh, because you do have all the characters get this, like, intro in the opening scene where it's, like, you know, a character walks across stream and says something, and then they get, the, like, uh, like, freeze frame where it says Zeke, where, like, they introduce my name. What did you think about that? I thought it was stupid. I thought, well, I, 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 I kind of liked it. On one hand, I just, I always hate when a movie, because it's not like it does that anywhere else. That being said, in a way, it does, because it introduces a lot of characters at once, it does help you know who's important right away. Yeah. And Usher's character, I don't even know what his character's name is, is not freeze-framed named. Yeah, guess what? You don't know what his character's name is. He is not a main character. He is Usher, and that is why he is on the cover of this. Well, and because maybe they looked at the cover and they were like, oh shit, why is everybody white? Can I can I bring up, not to derail too much, but this film, which takes place in Ohio, was actually filmed here in the Texas. Oh. Um, most of it in Austin, well, some of it in Austin, a lot of it at um, right outside in, in a place called Lockhart, apparently. Um, my question to you is, because football is such a big deal in the film, why couldn't it have been in Texas? Why couldn't? Because I think they say a couple times, oh, the idea of Ohio, and I know this from Glee. Well, that- and I thought, is it just because there's too many white people there? <laughs> Well, they, I mean, they talk about that because they have the big, why would they come to, like, a small town in the middle of Ohio to take over the world? And it's what, I think it's Elijah Woods, like, use the back door. If you were going to take over the world, you don't go to New York City where pe- where they're going to be able to, there's enough people that somebody's going to catch on really quickly. You start in, like, the heart of America and spread out that way because nobody's going to know if anything happens in Ohio. Nobody's going to know if anything happens in a small town in Iowa or a small town in Idaho. But what about a small town in Texas? I don't know. Texas is a little bigger. Well, the state is big, but I mean, even its capital, which is where I live, is super tiny. Yeah, but... 
I don't know. I just say it wasn't like they filmed it in Vancouver. Right. And they were calling it Ohio. Yeah, they were film. I just thought that. I mean, it could Rodriguez have very easily just been Texas. Rodriguez films here a lot. Right. So maybe it was just like, oh, it's Ohio. It's got to be Ohio. But this is well, where I'm, I'm guessing. And I wouldn't. I'm sure Ohio wasn't Rodriguez's choice. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of Williamson's script. And I don't know what the deal is as far as like. Because IMDb has two guys, like, there's story credits. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, too. And then Kevin Williamson screenplay. So I don't know, um, like, the history of the development of this movie. Could I, I don't know if it was on, like, Wikipedia or anything. Um, so I don't know if it originated as something very different. But, I mean, I just got the feeling that it was supposed to be that the idea of Ohio is middle America. I, all right, I will. I'll go with you on that. And when you say a small town in Ohio, uh, you have like a very, I think, particular like that sparks something in your mind, which is kind of nothing. Whereas yeah. if you say a small town in Texas, that's already no offense to anybody in Ohio. A small town in Texas sounds so much more interesting than a small town in Ohio. It. Uh, I mean, or at least it, it, if it doesn't conjure up. It's, it definitely makes you think of something specific, even if it's not accurate. Exactly. Like, like Stetsons I'm and, thinking it wasn't, and it's Texas. They gotta have guns, don't they? Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, even if it's not accurate, I think you're you're probably right. I just needed somebody to talk that through with me because I, I didn't understand. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna pull up some research um, from Wikipedia. Uh, in 1990, David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel wrote their first draft of the script for the faculty and sent it out, but there were no buyers. It wasn't until after the success of Scream that Miramax bought the script and rushed, in, rushed it into production. Uh, the Weinsteins brought in Kevin Williamson to do rewrites, keeping the basic story, but rewriting the dialogue and adding new characters to make it more, quote-unquote, hip. Oof, I wonder what they added. Usher. <laughs> Originally, Williamson was going to direct the film, but he chose not to, so he could direct Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Which really fit, um, it should have, it was supposed to be, you know the whole story behind that movie, right? Killing Mrs. Tingle. Yeah, which it really would have been done so much better if it was called Killing Mrs. That's Tingle. true, it would have made, that would, movie would have won an Oscar if it was called Hey, hey, Tingle. it's interesting. I'm not a fan, I'm sorry. <gasps> okay. It's a, hey, hey. The world is made of rainbows, and I like uh, I like Oreos, but not everybody likes Oreos. Yeah, Oreos are gross, Emily. You don't like Oreos? No. Really? That's what I eat before I go running. Oh my god! It's like the you're best my, excuse to go running. Is you're my hero. Seriously, because if you do a long run, like you need to eat something before, but it's like a weird balance to figure out, like something that has carbohydrates and like, sugar but you don't want to yeah, weigh yourself down you yeah like sugar but nothing that's gonna like really make you feel gross but then nothing like you would think like oh doesn't isn't a banana great no because a banana might make me go to the bathroom but two double stuffed oreos it's great wow no i only like oreos if they're this is all moot now because i couldn't eat an oreo if i wanted to but i only like them when they're stale i hate that crunchy cookie wow it's gross huh oreos have gluten and soy Oh, right, right. Because so Oreos, can... are, Oreos are, however, vegan. Shocking. Yeah, there's no, there's no dairy in Oreos. Whatever that means. Because I don't know what's actually in them. But anyway. <laughs> glue. <laughs> just, just, this is also... Cocoa powder and glue. Everybody. Yeah. Um, so the... Yeah, so it seems like the basic shell of the story was aliens invade high school. And then I'm guessing most of the dialogue and characters...
Mm, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I think when you, that's probably what I kind of would have guessed. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Usher, um, he's silly to be on the poster because he has a very small role and he's not one of the core of the other kids who are mm-hmm. like your, you know, kids. Uh, but at the same time, like that's one criticism I would have would be like, eh, in this day and age, if you're doing a movie, an ensemble movie, and all of your ensemble is Caucasian, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a, a bit of a fault of the movie, but you know. Um, I yeah. It's shocking, actually. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's why they had to throw Usher on there. Yeah. Oh, here's one that's not. <laughs> I, here's something that's just the, the main kids. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet if you look at alternate posters, different people got that front spot. No, it's like always Josh Hartnett. Always Josh but, Hartnett. Um, but I will say this about that. Somebody is excluded on some of them, and that I, is very telling. I kind of don't like that, because it yeah, kind me too. of tells something. Yeah. Yeah. There's one where Usher's up front. <laughs> I wonder if they, like, did it and they just had everybody... There's, like, just a, somebody in Photoshop has a machine where they can just rotate, rotate. <laughs> oh man um so do you have any other criticisms we talked a lot about what we like do you have any any other missed marks you think um this is a criticism that is only half criticism um they start to play up an angle towards the end that I sincerely wonder why they didn't play up sooner um mm-hmm. the whole Hey, you're awkward and weird yeah. and different. Come, come with be like They're us. All awkward and weird and different. The first time they do that, really do that, is when Stan is outside the door and the Clea Duvall character is inside, and she really likes them, and they've kind of formed a bond. This part makes me cry, by the way. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Stan is basically like, "No, come on, we can be together," and she's so fucking upset. Yeah. And he just keeps saying it's you know it can it can be good you can be beautiful or like what the fuck that like appeals to every uncomfortable, awkward, awful high schooler stuck in <laughs> all of us. It's the most upsetting thing, but they don't start to play that up until the very yeah. very end. Yeah, because the point of them all being like sort of not like stereotypes, but not quite. And so Elijah Wood is the nerd, and so you get that same like sense of longing with him but they don't really do enough until then it's like in a coda we were like oh so that's what this character wanted well no i mean what he wanted he gets no i'm not spoiling anything um what you what he wanted you do know that's what he wanted but there's something yeah uh, just the kind of uh um what's the word what i'm saying i don't know that there was a little more room to do something more with that longing to be in, like, the to nerd, be, I guess. And be, yeah, to be included and to be one of the, the Cause, group. Because yeah, that is the point of these body snatchers, for lack of a better term, is that everybody is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And it's less so than whereas, like, in the other movies where it's like, no, everybody's the same and then no, nobody has emotion. In this version, like, characters can have emotion, like, as we see with Pamke Janssen, they can be sexy if they want to be. But it's just that idea that, like, but everybody is on the same plane, kind of. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that you would have these outcast characters who could be tempted to 
you know, oh, I can be the cool kid because everybody's yeah. a cool kid. They could play that up a little bit more, yeah. like that, like like oh, this that consideration, right? Of it. I mean, especially when you set something in a high school, it makes oh, any yeah. decision so much more believable. Right. That's all. That's my only yeah. criticism. I mean, I love that scene. Yeah. Love it. But it, I just wish that that angle had been played up a little bit more. I would agree. I would agree. I think it's what keeps this from being, you know, this on its own. I think is just a really fun. Um, kind of like play on different genres or just a really fun movie Mm -hmm. I think if that had been done a little bit stronger and with a little more purpose this would be I'm trying to think of what to compare it to but this would be like a conversation of like really deep movies or really um, like genre movies that like really do do interesting things with metaphor and everything else Yeah, but instead it's just like the metaphor is really light it's like Buffy season one kind of yeah, I mean, maybe that was on purpose. Maybe there's yeah. a, a a draft somewhere with, like, some real deep themes. Right, and it might suck. That's very possible. Yeah. All right, so are you ready to rate? Sure. All right. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so, quality of film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go 7.75. All right, I was going to go 8. No, so no, there. Hey, similar wavelength. I'm sh- I could see somebody going a lot lower on this because there are, I think, like valid things to. Yeah, I just think eat. that this movie moves so well. And again, I'm also I am I'm not comparing this movie to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm comparing this to Disturbing Behavior, and yeah. it's movies of this era. And I think yeah. for this era, this one is just so much tighter and more interesting and better thought out in every way than like almost anything else of that it would be competing with. Yep. I agree. Um, enjoyment of the film. I would probably go, I'll go an eight. Cause I just really enjoyed watching it. Um, I'm going to say nine. Wow. <laughs> because I really love this movie. Be honest. Is it your crush on Josh Hartnett? Or Josh no. Hotnet, as my friends used to call him? Ugh, no, I don't like him at all. Who, who's your crush in this movie? Clea Duvall. <laughs> oh, that's right, I forgot. <laughs> I don't... And I'm, like... And this, actually, when I was watching it, I thought... Um, Elijah Wood. Who really knew <laughs> his career was going to take the, career, the path it was going to take? And then I'm staring at him like, Huh, Hobbit, Really? He's very, he's very elven. He's got, like, this translucent snow white skin. And he's, like, like, um... Giant bulbous eyes. Oh, my God, yes. This mischief in them. And these, these pointy little ears and this delicate little nose. He's beautiful. Look at those feet. My God, is he shaking? He's just, he's just so beautiful. (laughs) All right. Uh, so that's our thoughts on the faculty. It's a recommend. I'm surprised they never did a sequel or remake. Um, I, I would. I mean, it wouldn't have been good, but I would have taken like a straight to DVD sequel. But that's just me. Uh, yeah. The faculties. Faculties. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any more. Yeah, I got nothing on that. No, I got nothing. But I, I'm I'm with you for it. Um, so we're gonna take a look. This movie, by the way, is on Instant Watch. So oh yeah, I mean you don't all have to bust out your Blu-rays of it, but we can't all go spend our hard-earned money on Blu-rays, Christine. Some of us have cats. Four ninety-nine. Wow. <laughs> we are gonna take a mini break. Cheaper than the DVD. Yes, mini break. <laughs> Come back with Jennifer's body.
We're back to talk about 2009. Nines? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 2009's Jennifer's Body. Um, Written, of course, by Diablo Cody. Directed by Karen Kusama. Also, who directed Girl Fight and Aeon Flux. Yes. Uh, Well, Christine. Uh huh. We know what time of the show it is. Oh, man. This is another one. I'm not going to be good at this. Let's hear it. All right. So this awesome indie band comes to town, and then this club burns down, and it's super like when Great White played a club in Rhode Island. Remember that club fire? I'm from Rhode Island, and I lived there during that. And so it's super upsetting when you see that. But that happens, and then they sacrifice um, Megan Fox, who is named Jennifer, to the the devil. But something goes wrong, so she comes back, and she's a succubus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Do you need a minute to breathe and catch your breath there? <laughs> I get so excited. I can see that. Um, but yeah, that that thing happened in Rhode Island, and it's really upsetting to see a tiny little shit club catch on fire like that, and a bunch of people die trying to get out. Yeah, that's really a bummer. Do you remember that? No. Did that it was like national news. I don't know. Uh, maybe I might, might not have been in this nation when that happened. That is possible. Yeah. It is that far it was back. national, but it wasn't international news. Uh, well, clearly m- many deaths don't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds very... Sad. I know. Doesn't that sound terrible? Bummer. Awful. Yeah. Um, so so you're okay to, to, to press on? Go for yes, I'm, I'm okay to press on. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we both... You saw this in the theater? Yep. Yes, as did I. Um, I saw it with my Glickesco hostess, Erica. I'm pretty sure I saw it by myself. Uh, so and had you rewatched it a couple times since then, or this was your like first rewatch? No, I've watched it multiple times. Okay, so. this was my first I, rewatch. I watched the theatrical cut um, for this conversation. I don't know if you watched the theatrical or the extended. Ooh, damn! Um, I got the Netflix DVD and I put it in and I pressed play. Ooh, my DVD gave me a choice, so okay. you probably just got the theatrical. So, one. do you know what the differences were? Um, there's a few small differences, but I, I doubt they're going to really come into play in discussion. So, I mean, if it comes up, I'll be like, hey, that wasn't in the version that I just watched. So well, let's not, talk about it anyways. We're not going to no. have... What was, was what happened last time? What movie was that? Oh, we're not... Scott, Scott Pilgrim? Pilgrim? <laughs> well, we will talk about Scott Pilgrim quite a bit in this that, movie. That is true. Um, so, I guess, why don't we first talk about the... So, this was written by Diablo Cody. Yes. Um, who I love. No, who you love, who I, I like, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked Juno quite a bit, um, except with exception, because I find some of it annoying, but a lot of it good. Um, what else did she do? It's so funny that you start with that. I've never seen Juno. Oh. Um, I really like young adults. I, was just about I really like the United States of Tara. I see. I um, never, I never watched Nights of Terror, but I was just about to say, what else did she do? Oh yeah, Young Adult, which I fucking loved. Yeah. So I like her based on that. Yeah. Um, I should watch Juno probably, but I mean, I, I hear people have a tough time with it. People do, but I think there's a lot of reasons that might sway you towards feeling really strongly about it. The way, because what happened with this movie, I think, is this movie gets hate. A lot of people want to call this, like, the worst horror movie of the year and, like, one of the worst of this decade stuff. It's kind of bullshit. It it is bullshit. 
And I think so much of it was everybody wanted this movie to be awful because they hated Megan Fox mm. and they hated Diablo Cody. Mm. Because Diablo Cody comes around and her first screenplay gets sold and gets an Oscar nomination. And suddenly she's like the darling of Hollywood. Oh, and she was a former stripper. So it's that whole like, oh, of course, she's like the sexy writer kind of thing. Oh, that makes me so mad. Like yeah. my blood is boiling and i mean she's and like she's given interviews and i think i like i sh- i um just put like one of those interviews that she just gave on um our facebook page because that was interesting mm-hmm. where she admits like you know she was you know just thrust into the spotlight and so when she was like given interviews she would say things that like today she would never say like she gave sound bites that probably made her sound kind of awful like things mm-hmm. like that but so you had people that just really i think wanted to hate this yes and the thing with Megan Fox, this came out uh, shortly after probably like Transformers 2 and she'd probably given like a lot of her interviews where like, you know, she talked about having the same tattoos as Angelina Jolie and those kinds of things where, yeah, again, like she just seemed like an, like just uh, the kind of person you just roll your eyes at and she was everywhere. So now you have a movie that comes out where she's on the cover, um, like everything and all of the marketing uh, is all about Megan Fox, Megan Fox, like Megan Fox being sexy. And I even remember this, this, I can't remember what interview this was, but where Diablo Cody was talking about like how disappointed she was that this movie kind of bombed. And like, she went over like some of the things that were mistakes about it. She's like, yeah. And for some, you know, the studio really just wanted to bank on Megan Fox not thinking that Amanda Seyfried's face had been all over the posters from Mamma Mia, which was one of the biggest movies of that year. Mm -hmm. Um, They really, really played the wrong hand with that one. Um, Really, they they didn't know their market. No. um, Because the, I'm going to say some real shit things. (laughs) The the horror nerds, I did air quotes, who they want to appeal to, don't like Megan Fox. Yeah. Want to know why? Because she ruined Transformers. Want to know why they don't like her now? She's going to ruin Ninja Turtles. That's how a lot of people think. And you know what else? It's because the horror nerds see Megan Fox as that bitch who would never give them the time of day. God, that's such a terrible thing to say, but it's really true. It's true. <laughs> there is nothing appealing about her other than being hot. Um, she makes people angry and she makes horror ner- a lot of horror nerds angry and I think so much of that is um, you know you have a, a gorgeous woman in these movies and it kind of seems like she doesn't understand them I think yeah. is part of it yep that's a big thing yeah like if you put um, like you don't get that with let's say Natalie Portman if like because Natalie Portman has that thing that guys are convinced they could talk to Natalie Portman yeah, she's so cool. We could hang out. She'd love me if she got she's to know me. Like Mila Kunis, same thing. Yeah. Oh, Mila Kunis does, like, you know, she does movies with Seth MacFarlane. So, like, she gets the joke. Like, she'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I feel like it really is that same thing, whereas Megan Fox never pretends to be like, yeah, I've seen all the Evil Dead movies. Like, so there's that just sense of she's just a hot chick and she's a bitch and... Yeah, and she's in all these movies I like, but she's not a very good actress and she's ruining everything. Yes. Yeah. Now, 
I think now I'll just come out first to say I think she's great in this. I think she's so good in this. She is, and and I even remember like a lot of my friends who saw this movie and like their biggest they were like, yeah, I mean, I, I really think Megan Fox ruined it, and I don't get that. She's okay. The annoying dialogue that everybody oh I don't like Diablo Diablo Cody's dialogue. I don't like it. Guess who gets all of it? Yeah, her. Yeah. Megan Fox gets all of the stupid dialogue. So basically. You have this one annoying character. Guess what, guys? You're not supposed to, you know, and this is, how oh, how ironic is it that I'm the one saying this when everybody wants to say, oh, I, I didn't like Scott Pilgrim because I didn't like the character. No, I've explained. Oh, but guess what, guys? You're not supposed to like Jennifer. No, she's awful. She's a cunt. She's Needy doesn't even, Amanda Seyfried's character doesn't even like her. Exactly. She, I mean, she loves her. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's very complex. <laughs> But it's supposed to, I mean, she's the girl in high school that for some reason everybody's all, but like, you, she's not a good person. She's not nice. She's not interesting. She's not smart. Yeah. No, but she's just this thing. Mm-hmm. She's, not, she's you, hot and she has confidence that yes. lets her treat people a certain way and people go with it. And yeah, so that's one of the biggest like hurdles to get over with it. And like, yeah, to me, some of the dialogue is annoying and especially like, watching it now it's only been four years since this came out and there's some references that like i don't get anymore that were way too timely um, <laughs> there's a big myspace reference in the beginning that's very funny um but again like it's also supposed to be high school kids and that's not that like oh that's how they talk but that style is kind of how they talk yeah yeah and and like Amanda Seyfried's character and her boyfriend have multiple conversations that's just them, and they don't use mm-hmm. words like that. I mean, her boyfriend Chip, who is um, young Neil, in Scott, a young Neil from Scott Pilgrim, um, he's they, adorable. He is adorable, so and he cute. he points out numerous times that what she's saying is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's it's self aware enough that you're not like oh this dialogue it thinks it's so cool. Right. Like no, it 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 doesn't. Jennifer's like a moron yeah and she talks like a moron (laughs) and (laughs) and it's so funny and for the most part other characters like understand that yeah um so yeah like there is and i'm not like you know saying to somebody who doesn't like this movie like oh you don't get it but i want to make sure if you're gonna hate this movie the way this movie has like inspired such rage inside of people if you're gonna feel that way make sure it's just that it like you get that what they're trying to do like as opposed to just thinking um yeah it's stupid and like the dialogue stupid and stuff just understand that like the movie kind of understands a lot of dialogue is stupid yeah like yes please understand that jennifer sucks right and i i I know and this is a whole another thing more about megan fox than about the character but this this film like basically leers at megan fox the entire time but that's kind of the point right it's called jennifer's (laughs) body she's a succubus like the whole there's like long glamour shots of her but that's basically like oh, you know, she's supposed to be this beautiful, shiny thing after she, you know, mm-hmm. eats somebody. Right. Uh, it, there's, it, it's self I get that if you don't like self-aware 
things, then this probably won't work because at one point yeah, she's like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, my hair is flat and dull and lifeless. I'm just like regular girls. <laughs> and, and at one point Needy says, she's, she looks terrible, you know, for her. For her, yeah. <laughs> because she still looks amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't like, like, self-aware stuff, then there you go. I get it. You don't like it. And I understand, because there's some self-aware stuff that I don't like that feels too snarky, like, too winky and too snarky. And, like, too... When it feels too smart, I think. This movie, though, I don't get that from, because it... Um, how to say it? It doesn't feel like it's too smart, because the characters are dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, even though characters understand some things, like, and I mean, character of Needy is a great example. Um, at the same time, it's not like pure winking at the camera. It's it's not these lines. Like, the their self-aware dialogue and their jokes that are, you know, kind of referencing what's going on. But it's kind of like almost nobody gets it in a way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, and so regarding like all those like shots of Megan Fox, I'm really glad that a woman directed this just so that it takes that aspect out of it. Mm-hmm. As far as somebody being like, oh, it's like director Michael Bay just really like to look at Megan Fox's legs. Like I feel like we get like an, like we don't get to hear people complain about that as much because it is a female director attached mm-hmm. to it. Um, and something, but she she oh, does look really good in this movie. I mean, she does like. And anybody that wants to say Jennifer, Jennifer uh, Megan Fox is not hot, like I understand, everybody's got their own taste. But fuck, she's hot. That's yeah. I, all right, you don't you don't like her. You, she's not your style. That's fine. But to say that she's not attractive, that's crazy talk. I think that's crazy talk too. Um, something I wanted to read from again. I think it was from Wikipedia, but it was a really good statement from Diablo Cody about the movie. So <clears throat> here we go. Uh, Diablo Cody said she wanted the film to speak to female empowerment and explore the complex relationships between best friends. Um, the director and I are both both outspoken feminists. We wanted to subvert the classic horror model of women being terrorized. I want to write roles that service women. I want to tell stories from a female perspective. I want to create good parts for actresses where they're not just accessories to men. Addressing the male-dominated genre, uh, Diablo Cody said a key reason for writing the film was to bring to the screen a new way of expressing the intensity of female bonds and that the adolescent female friendships she experienced were unparalleled in their intensity. She wanted to show the almost horrific aspect of such devotion and its relation to parasitism. Yeah. So, I, I like that because it really, when you step back and look at the movie, you do see, again, it's... This is a lot, it's not different that um, you have female main characters because for horror is one of those genres that generally has females as its protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get a very different kind of um, female protagonist and relationships in this movie that you don't, don't expect to be the central relationships in movies. Because mm-hmm. this pretty much is somewhat of a love story between Needy and Jennifer. Yes. Um, which I think would have been easy to, ugh, what words do I want to use here? It would have been easy to turn that kind of into a, like, you didn't think we were going to do it, but we're doing it. Mm-hmm. This is a joke. This is edgy. But from the beginning, you were like, nah, like, she re- really likes Jennifer, and she's yeah. super devoted to her in an almost unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not like a, like, will they, won't they, super sexy, look at the, like... 
I like the way they chose to do it. Me too. Because it establishes right from the beginning, you get, you understand that Needy um, has feelings for Jennifer, even if Mm -hmm. she would never say them and if they would never come out and Jennifer would probably never reciprocate. Like, you just, you get them. But it's done in that kind of way, like, I know I've had friends who have that weird, like, obsession with another friend. Mm -hmm. And it's not always romantic. It's not always like, oh, it's because she's a secret lesbian. It's just that a lot of... And I'm sure it happens with men too. I just know. Oh yeah, it's like a weird hero worship thing. Yeah, Yeah. just it's like, oh, we're going to the movies tonight, right? Oh, we were going to, but now Andrea invited me to go to the movies, and it's just this weird, like, the way um, people get very fixated on sort of friend crushes they have. Yep. And just suddenly, for whatever reason, I need to impress this person. I need this person to like me, Um, and it's you know, it it's very real and it's something you don't see very often in film and like you know credit to this movie for like putting that in the forefront i agree and it would have been so easy to make it like really sexy pseudo lesbians and yeah. like yeah there are like there is a scene where they make out like mm-hmm. but it doesn't but it feels it makes sense with where the story is going at that point yes yeah yeah it's just her being manipulative mm-hmm. again exactly so i mean yeah and it's interesting. It's an interesting choice that they chose to do that because it says that the Jennifer character knew all along and had been basically playing needy all along, yep. which is interesting. And in that now that she's the succubus, she's going to continue to. Right. She can just do it, you yeah. know, more openly now, basically. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the band? <gasps> the band is so good. <laughs> They're called Low Shoulder. Low Shoulder. Um, their front man is Adam Brody. <laughs> He does such a good job with it. Um, It's really funny. Um, Their song that that keeps playing over and over again is really good. I will find you. Also really poignant to, like, the story. Yeah, very true. Like, not even, like, in a shitty, like, goofy, like, ooh, this is an ironic way. Like, it's really (laughs) kind of poignant. It's so bad. And at one point, he's like, do you want to be like that guy from Maroon 5? And it's like, yes, this is exactly what this is. Adam exactly. Brody is playing that, is his name Adam Levine? Adam Levine? Um, Maroon 5 guy? I think sure. it is. That Maroon 5 guy. It's it's really funny. And his name's Nikolai. Ugh. <laughs> and, like, every time, like, the fact is, like, that Adam Brody is just such a dick in the movie from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And so everything that comes out of his mouth is just such a dick thing to say. And it's, like, there's a recurring joke. And, like, it's not even always, like, the first time it happens, like, is when um, they're playing the actual venue. And the town's name is called Dev- Devil's Kettle. And the first <laughs> yeah. time he's, like, you know what, Devil's... Uh, Devil's Lake or Devil's something? Lake. <laughs> and, like, somebody corrects him on it. But then later on, like... And he's like, yeah, it is! Yeah, and, like, they say it, like, they're on... At this point, like, they become a hit, and, like, they're on the radio, and they're like, yeah, well, you know, when we got out of that fire at Devil's Lake, it was, you know, we thought the world... Was- <laughs> and so it, and it's, like, unacknowledged at that point. Like, it's not really like every funny. joke has to be acknowledged. Um, but it's just constantly there, and it's really funny. Um, and just the very, like, kind of... I just love the starting point of the movie, which is that this band is going to has to sacrifice a virgin to get fame but the person they sacrifice isn't a virgin yeah like and this is all the shit that comes from that yeah it's really it's a very basic premise that's 
they do interesting things with. Yeah, and it's very 80s in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, for whatever reason, um, there's a big dance at the end, and everybody's dressed like it's 1985. I know, that was kind of weird. <laughs> Just puffy sleeves. Like, I'm okay with it, but it definitely was yeah. a weird turn. I remember like when this came out, and I remember because I wrote about it, and I remember my note being like, I, I guess it's a high note because I really like the costuming, but I really don't know why they chose to go that way, but whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I feel like, well, I mean, Jennifer's dress was like normal kind and stuff, of. but I feel like if you've made it that far and you're into that movie, you're totally on board for yeah. that choice. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Let's go. Let's go for it, man. Yeah, yeah because there was like a strange innocence to some of the, especially like the chip um, needy relationship. Aww. There's so, there's so much innocence to a lot of the the, the high school characters that it kind of did play more like an '80s movie than like a like a jaded kind of shitty smirky right like 2000s high school movie. I would agree. Um, we have we have your favorite Kyle Gallner. <laughs> yep. Um, you're. Oh, did, I don't. I guess I didn't want to. I didn't say it on the Facebook page. I didn't want to spoil it. Don't Kyle Gallner is already dead on The Walking Dead. Oh no! Yes. What was the point of that? His name shows up in the opening credits. I'm like, oh yeah, Kyle Gallner's on The Walking Dead, and yeah. his character's there. And his character was even like, because Walking Dead. Um, uh, side note: Walking Dead is like the most frustrating show on TV for me. And one of the problems is always like awful characters, boring characters, they introduce new characters, just as they get interesting, they kill them, or they never get interesting, and then they kill them, and so on. And, like, there's... There's like they set up a really interesting relationship with him and this other character who's been really boring up to this point. I see right now on his IMDb. Yeah, Walking Dead, one episode. Yeah, and like I'm I'm excited. I'm like, oh great, Hal Connor's gonna bring some young energy to the Walking Dead. <laughs> and then there's a scene and like somebody's got to die. There's scenes going on and like somebody's got to die. I'm like, I know it's not gonna be this guy because I I know this guy like was hired as a regular on the Walking Dead, and it can't be that guy and it can't be that. Guy. Oh oh, there he goes. Yep, that's so shit. Yeah. Um, but looking at his IMDb page, I just found out that he is playing Lou Reed in the CBGB movie, oh. which is fucking exciting. Okay. So I will now watch that based solely on... I think I might be a Kyle Gallner um, <laughs> super fan. We have to see if we can interview him somehow. I love him that so much. Awesome. Um, but yeah, he's super good in this. Yeah. Um, I like the way he plays his character, like really folded in and his, his little arms always up. It's yeah, so like he has like a little, little tics. And yeah. it's it's cute, like just again the way um, like when you inter- when you meet the character and like Chip's like I don't like Taniti, he's like I don't know like how did you know him? She's like oh he's in my like creative fiction class. He's a really good writer. Like there's there's like little touches that yep. somehow make everything a little more endearing because it just makes every character a little more of a person. Yep. Um, I mean, there's some wasted things like I love J.K. Simmons and I'm happy when he shows up in anything, mm-hmm. but he kind of just plays like the doofy teacher who says dude a lot. And like, like the adult dialogue, I don't think is as strong in some ways as the kid dialogue. <sighs> yeah, I'm, go- I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going through his filmography and I'm getting upset. <laughs> um, there's an exciting <laughs> moment where Chris Pratt shows up. That's a, this is much like the faculty. I forget that he's mm-hmm. in this every fucking time. Yep. I was like, is that Chris? Yeah, it is. Whoa. I love Chris Pratt. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, and now this movie was rated R. And I wonder if that was also something that ended up maybe bothering people. 
because it gets an R rating for like sexuality, mm-hmm. but there's no nudity in the movie. There is no nudity. Um, there's sex, but it's not like the most explicit sex scene is like a really loving sex scene between Needy and her boyfriend. So cute. Yeah, it's actually a really cute scene, and it's a scene that like almost could have been in a PG thirteen movie. Um, I mean, you get a lot of, I guess the language, like, you know, you get, um, like, you know, there's talk about, like, anal sex and stuff. So you get, I guess that's probably where the R rating really came in. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that, like, pissed people off because they were like, ooh, yay, rated R movie. I'm going to see Megan Fox's boot. No, I'm not. No, 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 you didn't. And then on the reverse side, this movie could really have appealed to teenage girls, except they couldn't have bought tickets to see it. Exactly, because it was an R rating. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it actually went through with an R rating. This movie is one of those ones where you step back and you're like, huh, lots of decisions, lots of interesting decisions. Yeah, lots of decisions that might have been good for the movie, but were probably bad from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think part of it was just, like, Diablo Cody had done so well with Juno that the studio kind of thought they could sell something on her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, what is this, 2009? I'm trying to think, like, where horror was at that point, as far as, like, the R rating went. Um, and if it was just, you had so many, like, PG-13 remakes that this was sort of, like, ooh, we're original, and we're rated R for some anal sex jokes. <laughs> yeah, nothing really particularly graphic or... No, I mean, even yeah. the gore, like... I mean, the gore, it's... You know, there, I mean, there's violence, there's... But it's more generally like you see the after effects more than you yeah. see somebody's body getting ripped apart. Um, yeah, there's a really good product placement for Boston Market. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's like really unsettling in that scene yeah. too, um, Megan Fox. That's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out there and say that maybe she gets cast based on her looks and not her ability. <laughs> Therefore, you have her in roles that she cannot handle. Mm-hmm. So she's not that terrible in this movie. She's she's actually kind of good. I think she's really good in this movie. Oh, I hate that it's just that immediate like that. Like I feel funny defending her performance. But I, I get I I don't really know much about her personally. I know a lot of people don't like her. I hear that she's a bitch and she says like questionable shit and she's rude and I mean her. Her, if you go to IMDb, I, I think I'm navigated away from it. There it is now. Um, her personal quote on IMDb is, Wonder Woman is lame. She flies around in an invisible jet, but she's not invisible. I don't get it. I don't know if it's, like, actually a personal quote. Like, she probably said it somewhere. But people loathe this woman. Right. She should just learn to keep her mouth shut. Yeah, and I think maybe she slowly is. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's a really funny quote. Kind of <laughs> right. um, yeah, and I mean, this, like, you couldn't ask for a more perfect role for her in this. Because she is kind of playing that person who gives really stupid sound bites. Yeah. Yeah, you should go in and read her personal quotes, everybody. It's like pages and pages and pages. I'm serious, I'm still scrolling of the craziest shit. Nice. Um, now, perhaps a perhaps a weakness I don't know is the tone I mean this I would pretty much call this a comedy with (laughs) like with like a horror themed comedy more than I would call it a horror movie um I wonder if it could have been 
tonally a little more horror. I don't know that it needed to. I just think that's something I think of. I've thought of thought about the two times I've watched this. If it was more horror. Yeah, because yeah. I think, like, the, you were talking about that first scene when Megan Fox comes back kind of possessed. Yeah. It is, like, it, it's it's set up, it's funny, but, like, there's something really unsettling about it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this would have been better if it had gone that route more, or if not. I don't know. But there is something... The balance, I don't think, is perfect in far as far as the tone goes. I can agree with that. Um, I would have liked it to be a little bit more frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, darker, I guess. Although it gets yeah. pretty dark when you think about it. I mean, it does, but it doesn't embrace, like, the more horrific elements. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're going to talk about weaknesses, I will say that my, what I believe to be the film's, for me, only weakness is the wraparound story. I don't understand. With the narration. They, yeah. I don't yeah. get why they needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it, I mean, it gives away things, for one thing. You kind of know at the very beginning certain things that happen. So even if you kind of forget them by the time you get there, it sets a tone that doesn't seem necessary. I agree. Um, it means that the first time you see Amanda Seyfried, she's kind of like hot Amanda Seyfried and not... Yeah nerdy Amanda Seyfried mm-hmm. and it's already kind of hard to buy nerdy Amanda Seyfried yeah because she's really pretty and granted she's got like weird bug eyes and she's very skinny so if you tie her hair back and give her lame clothing and glasses she can kind of look nerdy except that if you started out showing me her looking gorgeous and now we're backtracking I know it's just Amanda Seyfried with glasses on it, yeah it was an odd Choice and to show their hand that early. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. I wonder if that was like a like a test audience thing. Yeah, like they don't understand, or there needs yeah. to be an ending. There's no ending to this. What happened to everybody? Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't. I don't hate it, but every time it starts, I'm like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's. It just feels really unnecessary. Um, I, yeah. I like the fine. I like the credit sequence. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that absolutely. I, I had to think about that for yeah, a second. It's sort of like Dawn of the Dead remakey, where yeah. like the actual ending of the movie or like the big payoff comes during the credit sequence. Yeah, but it's done in like still photos, and it's really awesome. But yeah, the actual like. Oh yeah, because I forgot the music they play during that. Oh. They play whole during that. Yeah, they do. Oh, the soundtrack to this is really good. It is, yeah. Um, both both movies this week had good soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah very, faculty really does yeah, cool and hip soundtracks, if you will. Yes. Um, but yeah, the like the whole uh, wraparound is just unnecessary, and it kind of hurts it. I think. Yeah, um, I'm glad you agree. I didn't really understand. Yeah, I mean, in general, I always kind of feel like that trick is um, kind of an easy way out. And rarely do I like it. That's for me, that's what kills high tension. But like, what was it explaining? What was it getting out of? Like, that's what I don't understand. I guess it was sort of supposed to stage her as like, um, being, like, there's no reason for her to be badass before you get to meet her. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, the opening is like, the opening line is, hell is a teenage girl, which is a little too obvious, I think. Yeah. And really doesn't fit this movie. 
Like, this isn't Carrie and this isn't the faculty. It's not really about, like, being alienated. It's much mm. more about, like, um, this sort of, like, obsession with someone else and, like, friendship. It's much less about, like, teenage girldom than a lot of, than I think the movie thinks it is, I guess. Yeah, I I wonder, and, you know, somebody get me Diablo Cody on the phone. I wonder <laughs> if that was something that they just kind of, like, she had to do for some reason. Right. Like, oh, this is what we want. Why? It's because we want it. Go do it. Like, it's, but it's really, it's not a story of, like, a wallflower coming into her own. Like, it's it's more complicated than that, I think. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, it just seems so easy to start it off with that line. Um, Yeah, and to set the stage for something that there's no reason to set the stage for it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, when in doubt, you probably don't need a narrative wraparound. Um, but yeah, and then we get a great Lance Henriksen cameo. I know. I, the first time I saw that, like in the theater, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And then so you were good. like, oh, he's just in every movie ever made now. Well, I still liked it in this. Yeah. I don't know why. I kept expecting him to be bad and her to have to like <laughs> kill him. You know him. why? Because it kind of ends like teeth. Did you see the movie Teeth? Yeah, I don't remember how that ends. There's, like, a scene at the end where she's hitchhiking, and, like, there's, like, this seemingly nice old man picks her up, and then bad shit happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. That The moral of that movie is all guys are rapey. All guys are rapey. Um, and the best way to handle that is to have teeth in your vagina. Uh, now, what? so what do you think were some of the changes in the extended cut, or the... Um, you know... I'm I'm probably gonna I'm probably speaking out of just guessing here, but mm. you know the the whole thing with um the is it possible that the order of things were different? I don't know. Is that like something that could be possible though? I, well, let me consult the laws of physics and tell uh, you. Sure. Um, I'm googling. Angry typing. Angry typing. <laughs> I can't. I can't concentrate. <laughs> um, if they made a sorry. 3D movie of Christine's life. It would be called Type Angry. Type Angry. Yeah, uh-huh. that movie's great. Um, so, I for my first thought was the thing with the um, transfer student was in a weird place. Yeah, I really didn't think it was. Um, oh God, go to this. Go to this fucking website. Um, I don't know, okay? The theatrical version is 102 minutes. Okay. And the... Unrated is 107. There are 66 wait. altered parts. Wait, wait, wait. The theatrical is... 102. Math. Oh, so five minutes. Difference. Yeah. 66 altered parts, 11 edits, six parts that are longer than in the theatrical. Oh my god, I really just want to sit and read this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm it's guessing so it's probably cool. a lot of stuff where it's just, like, extended things, maybe? Yeah. Um, okay, oh, I see. On IMDb, there is a thing about, uh, can be found here, everybody. Great podcasting, here we go. I know, let's read stuff. Telling you the difference between the two movies. Let's see... Uh, Even though many changes may seem small and petty, uh, this version definitely... Yeah, I did notice this. Okay, go ahead. So which version? The extended cut emphasizes Needy's viewpoint much better. Yes. Okay. She's cut out of the opening. Oh. So that opening... 
What do you mean she's cut out of the Well, when Jennifer's in the bed in the very beginning. Oh, so you don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Head through numerous shots of her. The finale was edited drastically and there were a few extensions. Okay, so it seems like a couple of things that changed emphasis, I guess. uh, And then just a lot of extended things and, and cut things. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it, it's nothing hugely mm-hmm. noticeable. I would say so far scrolling through this, the biggest thing is um, Needy just being absent from that beginning. Like, okay. Which makes sense. Um, it seems like if you, where I am right now scrolling through, that there's just a lot more stuff of the band at the beginning. Okay. Which does seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the hands, they, the hands are st- held slightly longer in the unrated version, like okay. 1.7 seconds longer. Okay, I see. The yeah, the DVD I had from Netflix uh, did not have spe- well. It had I went when I clicked on special features. It gave me theatrical trailers for I think the Night of Living Dead remake. Oh, weird. The, uh, my theatrical trailers were I can't remember, but I remember getting sucked in and wanting to watch. <laughs> um, really odd. Yeah, it was not very useful. The, so, no. but I mean, does the Blu-ray have like commentary or anything on it? Do you know? Oh, I I, I don't know. I I have a used DVD that look like looks like it was from Blockbuster. Ah, sons of bitches. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have any more to say about Jennifer's body? Um, I feel like I should, but I don't really. Yeah, um, I think we both made our case for defending the movie from the uh, sort of instinctual hate that a lot of people just wanted to hoist on it. Yeah. And again, I don't think this movie is for everyone. And I know people that I would probably not recommend it to because I really think they wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I think this is, as far as horror comedies go, and as far as very like specifically female-centric genre films go, I think this is a really interesting watch. Yes, I, do. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think that it can be viewed from a lot of different angles um and it's not just like a hey this is a movie with two girls in it like they're your your protagonists or or antagonist and protagonist are both female like there's more to it than that the interpersonal relationship of females Mm. um especially of that age um the manipulation Mm. because a lot of times in film um the manipulation of younger people is usually like male on female or female on male you don't see it like within a friend type way it's usually in a romantic way yeah unless you have a movie like heathers let's say Mm -hmm. where it's so obvious power dynamic she's a head bitch and we all do what she says this one is more it's it's interesting because it's you do have kind of she's the head bitch but it's not it's like this weird unequal footing yeah. Because, like, yes, you could kind of say, oh, she's like the Heather. But there's something more to it because Needy is aware that she's the Heather um, and kind of knows that she's stupid and these things, but still has this, you know, kind of, um, like, addiction to her in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's a good uh, a gender roles movie, if you will. Yeah, man, there's lots of different stuff that can be, you know, read yeah. in this film. Indeed, indeed. Mm. All right, so should we rate it? Yes. Okay. Uh, I went first last time. 
Oh, man. <laughs> um, quality of film, I am going to say... I'm going to give it an 8. I want to go higher, but I can't. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I would go 7.5 for me. Yeah, the and it's because I am aware of... Not just like, oh, well, somebody could say that this doesn't work for them. No, no, no. The wraparound isn't effective. Exactly. I don't know why it's there. Yeah. And so. I, I mean, I think some of... As much as I... Like, I justify most of the dialogue that's spoken by the teens. I think some of the dialogue does work too hard. Mm -hmm. um, some of what's done with the adult characters isn't really honed correctly. Because you have really good... Because you have, like, Amy Sedaris and um, J.K. Simmons. And the movie doesn't really know what to yeah. do with them. So it just kind of lets them be wacky. But it's kind of like, eh, it's a little too wacky. Um, but not quite wacky enough. I don't know. So there's, you know definitely this is by no means a like great I don't think this is a great movie or a great genre movie I just think it's much more interesting than people gave it credit for um, so yeah, oh, so yeah I, I think it is a great genre movie well that's that's fine um, <laughs> yeah I just I can't let myself go fully for this I guess I, I understand I understand so um, quality of life is like a 9.5 wow I love this movie <laughs> Um, I would go eight for me. I, I enjoyed it more, I think, on the second time around. Oh. Um, yeah. I'll go eight. Real quick, the, I knew that this was bothering me the whole time, and until I was scrolling through that website, I didn't um, remember to look, but <clears throat> the girl that plays Little Needy mm -hmm. in the flashbacks, mm -hmm. did she look so fucking familiar to you? No, I don't remember her. Why? Oh, she's the little girl in Mama. She's the oh. she's the Red Queen in Resident Evil Retribution. Oh, yeah, she's like the in so much shit. I guess she's she's the, the older girl in Mama. She must be right. Yeah, she's um she really good. I know she's so cute. And the minute I saw her, I'm like, you know, when you see a movie enough, you start to recognize people, and you're like, oh, I only know this from them from this movie. Yes. I was like, no, I think I know her from other stuff. She was on an episode of Fringe too. Like yeah. she's done. She's got quite an impressive filmography. Canadian. Because I remember um, the other little girl in Mama, I think, was Canadian and, like, didn't speak that good of English. I don't know if it was the same. Um, it doesn't say, but okay. she was also in the awful Red Riding Hood movie. And <gasps> You mean the great Red Riding Oh, that's a whole other story. Um, I'd watch that again for this, but she played little Amanda Seyfried in that, too. That's Well, you know what's so funny? She's Amanda Seyfried is a weird-looking chick, so it's she really is. hard to cat like... I didn't think about that. It must be really hard to put out a casting call for, like, looking for a young Amanda Seyfried. That's well, this little, this little girl's got it. She's fucking, she she's doing have, it. She will have a job for the rest of her life as long as Amanda Seyfried stays alive <laughs> and doesn't have kids. Amanda Seyfried's going to have, like, twin daughters, and they're going to mysteriously vanish. Yeah. Just well, so that this young woman can keep getting work. Yeah, that's my theory. Well, I think that's a solid theory. I, I like to think so. All right, so uh, eight and a nine point five for quality. Of um, <laughs> Sorry, I get a little carried away, guys. Jennifer's body—it's not an instant watch, but it is available on DVD readily. You, you can just come to my house and we'll watch it together. And again, I feel like it's a really good October watch. Yeah, it's just because it's—it is a very seasonal movie. Um, so yeah. Now, so do we have any more to say about Amanda Seyfried's um, doppelganger? Or, no, I'm sorry I derailed us. Oh, no, please. please. <laughs> I had no idea that was the same girl. That's fascinating. 
Um, and we will Red Riding Hood. We gotta. We have to do that one day. We will. We'll do Red Riding Hood and like Immortals or something. Oh, why? Kind of brazing bull. That's why. No. Okay, fine. We'll do Red Riding Hood and something else, but we will do okay. that one day. Um, but first, let us tell people what they can watch on Netflix that we recommend. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first if I go first. Go first. I suggested. Um, my Netflix instant recommendation. Oh, okay. Now I'm excited now that I realized what it was. I totally forgot what I recommended. Um, so I figure by the time you hear this, maybe you're transitioning into another season. Um, you know what I'm thankful for? Obviously, I'm thankful for my fourth favorite movie of all time, Starship Troopers. But everybody's seen Starship Troopers and knows how good it is. But you know what a lot of people haven't seen? What? Starship Troopers 3. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's so good. It, if you watch Starship Troopers 2 and were like, oh, no, that one sucked. I don't need to go anymore. <laughs> allow me to tell you, the Starship Troopers 3 is directed by and written by Edward Neumeyer, who wrote Starship Troopers and Robocop and many other things. Um, and so you have the original voice back there and you have him directing it. And whereas Starship Troopers is kind of essentially one big satire on war and, you know, kind of war and society. Part three is kind of about war and religion. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole kind of different. Um, so you're actually recommending this. You're not ironically oh no, Emily not, recommending this. No, 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 this. no, no. I am not ironic in the least about this. This is an Emily recommend. No, no, no this, is, this is like an Emily recommend. <laughs> oh, good. I was supposed to do an Emily recommend. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it, you don't have to have seen two. Two meant nothing. Um, three also has Casper Van Dien comes back for three. Ooh, so okay. For those who were really waiting for his return, he's there. I have been. Um, but really, like, more importantly, like, it's the writing of this one. The, this movie has, like, the best final scene because it kind of gives you this great satirical punch that it saves for the very end of the movie. Um, it just, it, it basically looks at a new target, which is kind of like organized religion and how society um, or government or war might like how that might how they might work together um and kind of explores that and in the meantime there's also bugs eating people and stuff uh so it is a seriously a hearty recommend starship troopers three marauder 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 okay (laughs) um (laughs) so have you heard of a little movie called movie 43 i heard of a movie called apartment 143 oh yeah Movie oh. 43. <laughs> Wait, is this a Christine recommend or like a Christine recommend? <laughs> I don't know if you know about this movie. Isn't this the one where they got like every, like somebody who has like um, incriminating photos of a whole bunch of celebrities <gasps> blackmailed them into doing like really dirty skits and putting it into a movie? What the fuck is this movie, Emily? It's on Instant Watch. It's called Movie 43. Okay. Hey, if you put it on out of morbid curiosity, guess what? You ain't gonna shut it off. <laughs> Um, Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet, <clears throat> Naomi Watts. Doesn't this, isn't like Hugh Jackman has like a penis stuck to his face or something? He has testicles on his chin. Kate Bosworth, Emma Stone. So in other words, all of these celebrities who are being blackmailed to be in this movie, correct? Yep, Richard Gere, Justin Long, Uma Thurman. Oh, so this guy actually has the gerbil photo. Um, yeah, and then a bunch of other people, you'll be like, oh, that person, oh, that person. Um... <laughs> It is the most bizarre thing ever. Um, Is it good? No, no. Okay. There's maybe like three laughs in the whole whole thing. It's basically like somebody was like, oh, you know, crass comedy? You know, it would be really cool if we got like super talented people to do some crass comedy. 
And I should watch this? I think it's fascinating. <laughs> There's um, a segment, the final segment is um, James Gunn directed. Okay. I mean, I guess that's worth something. Um, Elizabeth Banks is in one. She's in that one, actually. And she directed a different one with, um, with Hit Girl and the other kid. I, I can never remember their Chloe Christian Moretz names. And... and McLovin. I don't... McLovin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody's name. I'm tired, guys. Um, it's really bizarre. It's not funny. Um, a lot of them are uncomfortable. Okay. The skits, um, the Richard Gere one is particularly uncomfortable. Um, but then also you have people show up and you're like, oh my god, Chris Pratt. Oh my god, Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock. Um, okay. You know, you see, it's like, it's fascinating. There's, Kristen Bell is in it. Um, it's like so much wasted potential and time and energy <laughs> and money. Halle Berry is in it. It's fucking weird. Yeah. You need to watch it. It's okay. so fucking weird. I'm just so fascinated that this is your recommend, so I just might. Um, it's terrible, but it's amazing. <laughs> okay, that's... I have re- I have watched movies with far less... Uh, it will blow your mind that these people are in this. Okay, interesting. Alright, so Movie 43 and Starship Troopers 3. <laughs> it's a great double bill. Um, okay, so folks, when next we meet... Um, now, I picked a movie for next time. Christine, you have not, you don't have a movie yet, right? I'm the worst ever, yeah. It's okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to explain the movie I picked, and then I would like to open up the floor, or aka our Facebook page, um, to see if any of our listeners can think of a really good companion piece to this movie. Um, So we've been, you know, the last couple weeks we've done, like, kind of like light, fluffy movies, sort of, not like light and fluffy, like people are dying and stuff, but um, I would say, like, lighter fare. So I figured, like, let's get depressed and dark and stuff. Um, So on our next episode, we are going to do 1991's Michael Tolkien's The Rapture. Uh Uh-huh. Starring Mimi Rogers, David Duchovny, and Christine. Oh, my God. What? Do you know who has a really small part in this movie? No. Um, who is the patron saint of the feminine critique? I don't know. Why who, we have... who has been in more movies on this show than any other actor ever in the world? Oh, God, that one dude whose name I can never remember. <laughs> James the Grove, folks, <laughs> makes his 900th oh. appearance on episode 20. How does he do it, folks? I tell you. Um, My guy. So this is a movie I've wanted to, like, since as soon as we were like, we're going to do a podcast, I'm like, ooh, I want to do The Rapture one of these days on a podcast. Because uh, I just think it's a fascinating, fascinating Oh, movie. you should have picked it sooner. Yeah, but I was, I was like, in a good mood. This is, like, a, a oh. bad mood movie. Oh, amazing. Yeah, exactly. You'll love it. Because <laughs> um, it's just, it's a really interesting movie that asks questions. Um, I kind of have different readings of it uh, the more I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and nobody ever seems to really talk about it so I really wanted to talk about it for other people did. Uh, not available on Instant Watch but it is on DVD you can find it anywhere it includes a commentary folks with Mimi Rogers and, and David Duchovny I believe well so that's, that's exciting fun. exactly uh, so The Rapture is for those who don't know um, it is kind of a it is a drama about a woman who finds God and things Ugh. get really depressing from there. Um, so I, it's, um, yeah, you don't read anything about it. You can I suggest a movie about like puppies and kittens? Milo and Otis. That's <laughs> Christine. Do you want me to shatter your world right now? What? Do you know how many puppies and kittens died while making uh, Milo and Otis? Are you being serious? Yeah. Okay, Homeward Bound. 
No, because then I always get really sad when when um, Donamichi dog is like stuck in a ditch and can't get out, and it makes me. Did, did lots of kitties and puppies really die in my little notice? That's what I've heard. It's oh my god! Japan, like, <gasps> laws weren't really. Oh, they let them on fire. So we'll, we're not gonna do my own. Not that one. Okay. Sorry. Um, well, okay, folks, maybe if you have a really good puppies and kittens movie that you'd like to recommend, you can do it on our Facebook page. Um, once I publish this episode, I will open a thread um, for people to submit uh, picks, and then we'll see if I get fancy and make a vote out of it, or if we just decide we want to pick Ooh, vote, 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 vote. I don't know. See, Christine, democracy doesn't always work. I don't know what would make you say that. I don't know. It's just crazy. <laughs> Topical. I've been getting. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we will, we'll discuss how we, we would like your uh, input into what we should actually cover next time with the rapture. Okay. Um, think of a good, good, uh, you know, think of the rapture as a, a steak and what wine should we serve with it? If you will. Okay. Or, I will. Or the rapture as a, to- as a pile of vegetable steak for Christine. Thank you. I will. I will be voting Homeward Bound. Um. <laughs> uh, and also, um, did you have anything else you wanted to plug before we go? Mm, oh yeah, my 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 episode of the Projection Booth podcast um, about um, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me is up now. Very nice. Um, put that also on the Facebook page. I will. Okay. Um, I guessed I did on the uh, Inside Outcast over the weekend. So if you search, I believe, um, Geek Planet Online, Inside Outcast. Or Why don't you put that on the Facebook? Because Dave already did. Oh. Yeah. When? I didn't see it. It was on there. Yeah. You can read the Facebook page. <laughs> Milo. Uh, okay. Oh. So uh, in the meantime, go watch movies and carve pumpkins and... Have a happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.
I remember how we used to talk About the places we would go when we grew up And all that we were gonna find And I remember watching our seeds grow And how you cried when you saw the first leaf show The love was pouring from your eyes So can you smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.